0: Whether you're hiking in the woods after sunset, or driving a desolate road all alone, it's not just bears or creepy humans you need to be worried about. There could be stranger things lurking in the darkness. Today, we're sharing campfire stories about cryptids. Welcome to Shadowland, everybody. Welcome. This is a podcast that shines a spotlight on stories of the supernatural, mysterious, eerie, and unexplained. Stuff like bottomless pits.
1: Ultra-terrestrials.
0: Sheep-squatch.
1: Wild-man.
0: Alien implants.
1: Mantis-man.
0: Bases on the moon.
1: Human-pig hybrids.
0: Alien sex.
1: Ancient races of aliens. Ghost sex. Ancient underground alien
0: bases. (laughs) (laughs) Haunted objects.
1: Dog man.
0: All that stuff.
1: All that stuff and more.
0: Lots more. I'm Christina Callery.
1: And I'm Seth Jablon,
0: And today, we're doing stories about...
1: Campfire cryptids.
0: Yes. Welcome, welcome to a... Uh, Campfire cryptid episode
1: Which is Becoming one of my favorite subjects (laughs) That we do these like very like Localized local Legends local cryptids It's just amazing to me like how many uh, You know States in the United States have their Own particular cryptid You know their own legends and I think even Within those states there's like Even more specific ones So I don't know i'm excited about today so
0: i know it's like the more you dig the more you find
1: yeah totally it's
0: fascinating it is and i think you and i you and i were talking about it like there's something about these stories that uh they're 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 scary but in some ways are a little less scary uh than the the stuff that's more uh supernatural or blatantly supernatural
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're scary when you really get inside of some of the encounters. But some of them, they're, like, so weird. There's something kind of, like, um, there's something funny about them and also just about, like, the way they sort of mutate and become their own sort of thing, you know? Like, there's, like, an encounter and then it sort of snowballs and becomes this local legend that, I don't know, there's something funny about the human psyche of of the names we give these characters and sort of how we paint them, but yeah. agreed,
0: agreed. Yeah, fascinating too. Yeah. All right. So.
1: So okay. What do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I don't
0: know. Do you want to go first? How do you sure. feel
1: about it? Yeah, I can go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. okay. So I, I have two stories. Um. Okay. So the first one is the Flatwoods monster. Have you heard of that before?
0: Ooh, I have not. I have not. Okay. Is this is this in your neck of the woods?
1: Uh I mean sort of. I mean, you know, d- well not really. I mean, it's it's West Virginia, but it's so in my neck okay. of the woods like Eastern it- Seaboard, I guess. Okay. Okay. So, the um the Flatwoods monsters, uh, actually all started in the town of Flatwoods, um, in Braxton County, West Virginia. And this one actually goes back a bit, um, to September 12th, 1952. So it was an early evening around 7 PM when two brothers, Fred and Edward May, um, um, and their friend, uh, Tommy Heyer observed a bright object streak across the sky. So they, they were they were out, or you know, as kids did in 1952, <laughs> it was like riding around in the darkness or whatever. I guess it was, I know, 7 p.m. Maybe it wasn't still dark, but um, and they and they so see it this a story. UFO. Yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, it was you know, it, you know. Later accounts said it could have been a meteor. Regardless, you know, it it, um, it was a bright object streaking across the sky that a lot of people saw. They followed its path and saw it lands, you know, from their point of view um, on a local farm owned by G. Bailey Fisher. So um, so they see this thing land there and they're like, what's up with that? I don't know how much they were thinking about. You have aliens, but again, I 1952. I love this already. Yeah, 1952, very like stand by me, very like, you know, a bunch of kids like, let's go investigate.
0: So right. first
1: they go back to... Um, uh, Kathleen may's house um, and tell her what they've seen and you know they all kind of have con- And I think one of their friends more- well I think this was sorry this was um so Edward Fred and Edward may were brothers and I, I believe this was like their mom or 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 whatever a okay. relative so um they go home and they're like you know we saw something in the sky and like of course. There's other little kids around, other people gather around, and they all start talking, right? So a whole group of them, including local children, um, Neil Nunley and Ronnie Shaver, and then um, West Virginia National Guardsman, Eugene Lemon, they all decide to go to the farm to investigate. So, so in, in this short period of time, they like gather up a like, group of, of children and adults, to go and find and national
0: guardsmen land. with the kids. A national
1: guardsmen. That's right. That's right. So they've got okay. military with them. Um, okay. So they all head off. Uh, upon arriving at the farm, the group climb a hill to get a better look, um, and, and you know they, they sort of follow this. What one of the children, Neil, had seen this sort of pulsing red light. So they go up this hill. I mean, it's still in the woods or whatever, but. Eugene shines his flashlight around, and suddenly he catches in his beam a, quote, a tall man-like figure with a round red face surrounded by a plain hood-like shape, right? So they're, like, looking for something, and they find something, right? And, and, and what they see is, like, very strange, so the, there are a number of descriptions of exactly what they saw, although the, there are definitely some similarities. Um, writer Gray Barker made some um, recorded uh, interviews with the witnesses, um, and he shared some of those descriptions in an article with uh, Fate magazine. So he said the the figure was approximately 10 feet tall, okay, with a round blood-red face and a mm. large pointed hood-like shape around the face. I like shapes which emitted greenish-orange glow and a dark black or green body. Okay, so I mean like the first thing that sticks out to me there is like the fact that it seems like 10 feet tall. And also well, I, the like, I mean, yeah. blood-red face is like, it's crazy. Like,
0: And as a humanoid.
1: It's a humanoid in terms of, like, having a body. But, I mean, its face doesn't sound super humanoid. But, I mean, humanoid in the sense that it has two eyes and all that. Um,
0: yeah, bipedal, uh, all of that.
1: Right, right. May describes the figure as having a, um, these small claw-like hands, clothing-like folds, and, quote, a head that resembled the Ace of Spades according to the story when the when they when they shine the light on this figure it makes this hissing sound and glided towards them so lemon screamed, dropped his flashlight and the whole group scatters they all run away so you know again what, what I think some of the the interesting things that stick out to me are like you know the the glowing eyes right like that's a thing and then also the gliding right which is very mothman like so even even though you know the Mothman has wings, a lot of people would sort of describe it as gliding, not flying but um you know in, in, in later um, you know like you know fifty years later where people are like "Oh, it's probably an owl you know that 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 you know as as we do <laughs> as we do um no matter how many like reports come out and you see that recently with the CIA where they're like oh, I've got like nine spacecraft and whatever. No matter how much that happens, people are like, yeah, they probably saw an owl. Right. And so, which is ridiculous to me because again, 1952, these are people who live in the country. They don't know what a fucking, they know
0: what an owl, they know what an owl looks
1: like. And uh, even if you don't know what an owl looks like, you don't mistake it for a 10 foot tall humanoid with blood red face. Right. Yeah.
0: And a, and a pointy hood.
1: And a pointy hood, and the ace of spades hood is the thing that 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 kept recurring. And sometimes it's sort of drawn more like jaggedly, but always in that sort of shape, um, which also has uh, a sort of spring heel jack feeling to it too. Um, okay, so um, and, and, and a
0: motorhead s- feel to it as
1: well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, let me. Um, okay, so. Uh, a news clip from the Charleston Daily Mail reported, quote, they had smelled a pungent mist, and some later said that they were nauseated. The local sheriff and a deputy have been investigating reports of a crashed aircraft in the area. Um, they So they search around. They don't really see anything. Um, but the next day, according to um, Barker's account, uh, um they discovered sort of skid marks in a field, right? And then they said there was this, like, where they saw the thing land, this old, odd gummy deposit, which were, you know, by some attributed to, uh, um, you know, some you know, quote, you know, evidence of a saucer landing. And then to others, this was like, oh, no, it was like sap from a tree, also probably an owl, right? So, I mean, both kind of like pretty assumptive sort of determinations. I think the eyewitness thing being much more interesting. Um, but re- regardless, um, according to former news editor Holt Byrne, um, the news quote, the newspaper stories were carried throughout the country. Um, radio broadcasts were carried on large networks and hundreds of phone calls were, were, were received from all over that part of the, the county. So, You know, people definitely, number one, saw this streak across the sky. And like I said, later, they were like, uh, there was a meteor. And I think there was actually a meteor at that time. But a lot of people sort of saw it, quote, land somewhere. Um, People visited this family. They interviewed them. Right. And so all of this sort of stood up under a a great deal of scrutiny and sort of like Mm -hmm. recounting over the years.
0: And it was corroborated with other witnesses it was
1: corroborated with other witnesses and like to this day you know these these people who who experienced this um uh you, you know stand by their account and then sort of this this idea of the flatwoods monster sort of remains and continued on into sort of west virginia lore i don't know if other people saw it ever after that um like i said there was there was this eventual like Explaining away of the whole thing, but but much like the swamp gas, like it doesn't, you know, it, you know, an owl and a meteor doesn't really, um, explain that these these um, people's children and adults alike, uh, experience,
0: right? Just because you say, oh, this was a weather balloon, it doesn't really mean that it had anything to do with the weather
1: balloon, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So so yeah, so that's the Flatwoods monster. Wow. And we'll we'll post some pictures of it. I mean, it's a pretty cool, like I mean, I love these like um these accounts where you're like, that sounds so weird. Like it sounds almost too weird to be um not true. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if you're right. gonna make up an alien, like it's so jumbled together, it sounds so strange. But these people right. definitely had a visceral experience down to you know, a smell. Right. So, right.
0: Yeah. And the red face, I mean, that's the, something the that blood, we don't see blood a lot
1: red face. Yeah.
0: I mean, back then, wasn't it little green men in the fifties? I mean, yeah, wasn't that kind yeah. of the, the popular uh, concept well, of what, started, what a Martian or an alien would be?
1: Yes. I mean, I don't know exactly how that all started, but I think it started with, um, what was the one in Kentucky? Do you know what I'm talking about? The, they were the men. goblins. The fir- it was like one of the first alien encounters that was described. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it was that little little um it was like a farm in Kentucky where there were like mm-hmm. little Yeah, green we men. covered that in one of our earlier yeah, episodes. Yeah, exactly. You did actually, the yes. goblins. Yeah, I can't remember what, what um what town it was, but um yeah, there were like little green. Hopkinsville. Goblins. Hopkinsville, that's it. Yes, yes, yes. And they were green. And why not green? I don't know. Um Okay, so that was the Flatwoods Monster. Cool. Um, you ready for the next one?
0: I'm totally ready.
1: Okay. So this one's a bit different, but like I said in the beginning of the show, like, I don't know, the, these very local legends sort of capture my image imagination for a lot of reasons. Number one, like, they're always, like, way weirder, <laughs> you know, than, than the, s- some of the, like, more known stories. Um, but also they have this way of sort of mutating and, and, you know, collecting other things around it. Um, But I think what attracted me originally to this this story was the odd name and the specificity and yet sort of utter ambiguity of this legend. And that is the Melonheads of Connecticut. Yes.
0: I've heard about these guys, but I don't know too much about it. So I'm excited to to hear more. Okay.
1: Okay. So picture this. It is night. You're driving down a long new England road somewhere in Southwestern Connecticut. Your headlights illuminate the road as it appears in front of you, but little else. And the road behind is swallowed up immediately into the darkness as you go up ahead you see the taillights of what is that a blue granada haven't seen one of those in a while the lights glow a bit brighter red as they appear to be stopping pulling over for what looks like a hitchhiker thumbing a ride the hitchhiker appears to be elated as the doors swing open to let them in they rush inside, and no sooner are they in than the Granada begins to pull back out into the road. It is then that you see the car appears to be filled with a number of moon like heads. A face now looks back out through the driver window as they pull away. It is childlike, swollen cranium glowing in your headlight. It glares at you, but only for an instant. Before it too is swallowed back into the darkness, disappearing forever. You never forget what oh. you saw. You won't be back down that road anytime soon, lest nope. you once again see the melon heads. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yay! <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so the melon heads are a specific feature of southwestern Connecticut. Uh, living largely on the outskirts of towns, uh, ones such as Monroe, Stratford, Seymour, Weston, Easton, Oxford, Southbury, Fairfield, New Haven, and Trumbull, and there's actually even more. Um, so each of their uh, each of these towns have their own sort of heavily wooded country road where the local melonheads are set to live. Um, again, lots of examples in Milford, it is Zion Hill Road, Shelton, Sawmill uh, City Road, and so on. So the melon heads themselves are said to be human or humanoid with these very large oversized heads. Um, They spend most of their time in hiding with only brief appearances to snatch a small animal or a stray cat, or perhaps even an unwitting hitchhiker or local teenager and they apparently particularly love runaways very mm. very 80s um there's a lot of speculation about the origins of the melon heads so apparently stories like this go uh fairly far back all the way even to europe so in 19th century um uh bavaria there was a, a, a larger family of what was believed to be sort of inbred quote melon heads known as the weeble heads right Mm -hmm. Um, others think that it is the melon heads are actually um, Appalachian in origin in origin um, stemming from the original Melungian Melungian referring to a group of people uh, living in Appalachia that were um, of mixed race they were sort of um, part outcast European, part freed slave, part Native American, and they sort of lived apart from everybody else. Um, but regardless, as for their place in Connecticut folklore, one theory is that the uh, original family practiced witchcraft, again, very 80s, um, mm-hmm. Where they were, and afterwards they were banished to the forest where eventually they mm-hmm. inbred. I don't know what the whole mm. inbred thing's about, but that's definitely part of it. Um, that that yeah. being sort of the theory of the how they head. got their... Huh? Yeah. Of the melanin, yeah. yeah. Which is like said to be how they got their mutated heads, which is through inbreeding. So still another theory is that they escaped from a mental institution or prison, that they were somehow sort of incarcerated, I don't know if they were already a family or whatever, um, but in one version that they were like incarcerated in some type of prison or mental mental institution that supposedly burned down um, and that some of the inmates were able to escape into the woods and not wanting to go back um, and not have anything to eat, they turned to cannibalism, which caused Mm. their heads to swell which I've never oh, heard of it before but I didn't know that happened. <laughs> I don't know if it does. But um in this story it does. So, that's sort of like the picture of the melon heads and sort of um uh, uh you know, stories about how they got to have their sort of swollen heads. Um the blue granada, that's another super specific part of the legend um mm-hmm. is that appearance of that blue granada. So, as the story goes, in 1980, a group of girls from Notre Dame High School uh, um, were driving around after a football game some Friday night. Again, very 80s. Um, right. They all got into one of the girls' blue Granada and head off to look for me- melon heads, as, as one does after a football right. game in right. 1980. Right.
0: Right. Best way to end the night.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, Unless so you're they,
0: like making out and some. Making out. Like, like they were probably
1: like making place. out, having premarital sex and like drinking right. beers. Right. Like right. that's.
0: Setting the stage. Setting the stage for. Some kind a, of attack. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so they end up in Trumbull um, on Velvet Street where they parked their car. Um With the headlights on and went to look for the melon heads off into the woods, so as they walked away, they say around a hundred feet when suddenly back through the woods, they hear the car door slam, so they run back to see the um to see the car start up the headlights go uh, the headlights on, and it actually starts coming towards them so now somebody's in the car and it's racing towards them move out of the way but as it passes they could see some white figures inside ch- childlike large head with orange glowing eyes Hello. and as they drove off uh, um, you know and then they drive away into the night and some say the melon heads still drive around in that blue Granada yeah. <laughs> I think that's like definitely my favorite part of the story um <laughs>
0: I mean, the orange eyes. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Like, fine, you know, incest, inbreeding, I'm sure it can do crazy things, large craniums, all of that. But I'd put money down on it. It doesn't make orange glowing eyes happen.
1: Right, right. And, right, like, has any human ever had orange eyes like is that even like a mutation that exists or I don't know but yeah like mm-hmm. that that that's not something easily mistaken and I also like I've definitely seen animals in the night in the forest and like owls and stuff I don't really think it glows orange it's like white mm-hmm. right it catches the light it reflects the yeah, light like they the don't green
0: glow or even and they reddish. don't really have
1: color to them I don't think I mean, I guess I've never seen like a wolf or anything like that, but I don't think any animals have a color, a distinguishable color at night, right? It's mm-hmm. only ever reflecting light, no? I well, know. I mean,
0: I think greenish or reddish, you kind of hear about that. Or, or Even a yellowish, you know, but I've never, yeah, like.
1: But the light isn't that color, right? Like if that's no. the color of your whatever, iris or whatever, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like an un- unlikely thing to be that mistaken about. But I mean, this also the story does sound very like, you know, urban legendy, right? Like the van in the eighties, the, like and the satanic backstory. worshippers that right. followed you, right? and they escaped the burned down asylum, and they
0: escaped, and only the people that yeah, had yeah. the the large cranium gene escaped.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, that came from them having to cannibalize each other in the in the forest.
0: Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah.
1: But I did find a number of like lists of like all the roads you can find this on which I which I thought was very funny right like so okay. New Tell us, England, please. the New England Historical Society so if you're in this if you're in Connecticut and you want to go looking for some melon heads um, here's a list of of roads you can go check out Edmonds Road in Oxford Velvet Street in Trumbull and Monroe okay right that's where the the blue granada was lost I love I want to live on Velvet Street yeah no isn't that a cool name of a street Mm -hmm. Um, Zion Hill Road in Milford Uh, all the roads around Lake Mohegan in Fairfield Um, Marginal Road in New Haven Jeremy Swamp Road in Southbury and all the sort of paths and road around Roosevelt Forest in Stratford Mm. So,
0: wow, do you know like what the um like the square mileage is on this um radius of oh where you can?
1: I don't. I mean, it's generally described as as southwestern Connecticut, which mm-hmm. I know like in Connecticut can get pretty rural in the sort of south or at least the the sort of western side, right? Like outside of like you know New Haven, heading more towards I guess what like New York, right? The, I guess I'll be bordering New York where the Appalachian Trail is but um yeah so I think around there like cu- countryside wooded they like wooded uh, uh roads wooded areas where they can live alone and, and do their melon head stuff in peace
0: mm, yeah cannibalize and cannibalize to their heart's content
1: <laughs> steal cars terrorize um teenagers uh Specifically, runaways and hitchhikers, I guess, are the, the right. ones they like to eat the most. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is the legend of the Melonheads of Connecticut.
0: Wow! Wow! That, yeah, I've I've wondered, I've heard about the Melonheads uh, really. I never while. heard that before.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I didn't really know. Um, it's a little children of the corny kind of thing, where you uh-huh, imagine driving yep, yep. down some rural road and someone steps out of the darkness, but they've got this like huge head and super spooky. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about about these stories, Seth? Like as you were okay, like, so writing them. What, do you, what What's your take?
1: Okay, as a, as a child of the '80s, like I, I love the melon heads, but it's it's very like. Um, or urban legendy or or country legendy. I don't know you know we had like stories like this and, and it's funny how they get told and they just sort of spread and they become part of the like consciousness of the of the children of that age, right And who knows how they all start right Maybe it was a real story originally and then mutates or whatever. but yeah, like the whole like being chased through the woods on a road, It's like, just to me, just like burned in my memory. as like this like very 80s thing. Like we had like Satan worshipers that would like, if you went down a certain road, that would like chase you in a van, right? Like that was like a very specific thing. So it's hard for me to like separate that. So the Melonheads sound very urban legend to me. The Flatwoods Monster, I just think that they they saw something. They had some sort of sighting. I don't think that that large of a group of people would mistake an owl for what they saw. So I don't know what they saw, but they definitely saw something. I don't think it's fair to discount that. Um, So, and yeah, like the, the more we learn about like all the UFO activity, like the crashed vehicles and like recovered vehicles by like all these forms of the American government, the idea that like somebody would see something is not any stretch of the imagination at this point so,
0: right, right it's so interesting because there there was this the sighting of this light in the sky and the craft right, landing right. in the same area and corroborated by different eyewitnesses, so it's just sort of
1: something happened that night right yeah, and like the, the, there's something that like this this um tendency to want to describe these things as an owl like I, th- I feel like is like revealing. Because mm-hmm. it's a fucking stupid, like it's like it's stupid as the swamp <laughs> gas stuff, and so yeah. you're like you. Th- so that makes Agreed. me think whoever has that to say has an agenda, instead right. of being like, wow, these people saw something or even had a mass hallucination is 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 way more plausible than than the idea that they mistook an owl for a ten foot tall fucking blood red face fucking. <laughs> If I can space. It out, seems a like one of the, the go-to's
0: if you've seen some kind of creature you can't and You explain. don't want to talk about. Oh, it's an owl. It's you an owl know, you hear that or again it's and gas, again. Swamp gas,
1: right? Like those mm-hmm. are those are the two go-to's.
0: Swamp gas for a light in the sky, owl yeah, for yeah, like medi- if you've seen meteor. something. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the, the meteor thing I could buy only in the sense that like yeah, you see a light streaking across the sky, but there is a natural feel to a meteor and and it doesn't I've seen meteors and I've seen shooting stars and all that. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't really mistake it for a craft. And especially like feeling like you saw something land. That's not a mistake. You don't go, oh, I think I saw this meteor land somewhere. Like, you don't, like, I mean, even those like dash cam footages in Russia, right? Like, where they Mm -hmm. see these like crazy meteors flying across the sky it doesn't appear to be landing somewhere if it does it's like a hundred miles away it's not at like Joe Bob's farm right Right. so anyways yeah so that's my opinion that's my um, opinion about you know what these two are like Flatwoods Monster yes Melon Heads I want it to be true probably not (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. I can get behind that. Okay. I, I mean, I'm almost wondering if both of them are, are like alien sightings in some way.
1: Well, I thought that would be the thing with the melon heads, but there was nothing, at least the ones I found, there was nothing that alien about it, right? Like, are they bald, for the by the way? Or, the the, or
0: do they just have large heads with hair on it?
1: Uh, good question. I, I, I don't know. Like I think from, from from when I was reading it, it felt like it was very like bald headish melon headish
0: right that's what you think but
1: that is what i think but yeah i guess i don't know maybe they
0: yeah. have like huge 80s hair maybe yeah. that's the explanation like huge actually. like flat
1: tops or like perms
0: or the like the huge big waterfall bangs from the yes. 80s yes <laughs> all right do you want okay. to hear mine
1: i do are
0: you ready yes okay. i'm ready okay okay uh, so, in October of 1971, a farmer in the small bucolic town of Northfield, Vermont, so not too far from Melonhead territory, okay. heard some strange noises coming from his backyard. Telling himself it must be a raccoon or another animal, you know, along those lines that maybe got into the garbage, he switched on the outside light and looked out his window into the darkness. And he saw that there there was something rooting through his trash. And it was now staring back at him, but it was not a raccoon. There, illuminated by the outdoor light, was a human-sized figure standing on two legs. But it wasn't a human either, or at least not an ordinary one. Its body was covered in pale hair, but the most startling thing was its face. It had the snout, ears, and other features of a pig. After meeting the farmer's eyes for a few seconds, the creature darted into the shadows out of the reach of the light. So that was sighting number one. Several nights later, local students were attending the Northfield High School Harvest Dance. So you can imagine, 1971, what that was like. You know, Led Zeppelin playing and... totally. Right? One of them was a junior uh, boy named Jeff Hatch, and some research about this event came from an article in The Herald that I found written by uh, Margaret Osha, who was a freshman at the time, and was a friend of Jeff's. And Jeff was an eyewitness, and he later told his story to her. So a couple of Jeff's friends had gotten a hold of some beer, so they decided to head outside and find a place to drink it in secret, where they wouldn't be found. And they decided on this sand pit which was behind a local cemetery not far from the school, so only a short distance away. And there they they knew they could drink and have fun and hang out before going back to the dance and they wouldn't be spotted by teachers or chaperones. The place was surrounded by woods and it was a crisp autumn evening as the friends opened their beers and began drinking, chatting, joking around. But all at once, Something strange emerged from the dark tree line. It was tall, pale, and walked upright on two legs. It was also naked, but completely covered in white hair, and it had the face of a pig. Terrified, the teens left their beer where it was. They just dropped it in the sandpit and ran back to the school where they told everyone what they had just seen. And according to Jeff's account, when the boys rushed into the school, one of them was shaking with fright and the other was crying uncontrollably. So obviously that's not a reaction that most teen boys would be likely to fake, you know, if they wanted to spread a tall tale. And... Jeff and a few of his more courageous friends decided, okay, we're going to go out, we're going to investigate. So they went back out to the sand pit, but there was no trace of the monster at this time. They did, however, see that the surrounding grass and the underbrush near the sand pit had been trampled. So something large had been there. And even more convincingly, they found large cloven hoof marks that were imprinted in the sand, but there were skid marks, with them, so it looked like the creature in its haste to get away had skidded. And word about the pigmen, you know, obviously, as you can imagine, it's a small community. It doesn't take long for word to spread through Northfield. And soon, the story about the farmer had gotten around as well. So there were more stories on the way, though. Locals even started to wonder if a teenage boy who had disappeared a few months back was not a runaway as they had earlier thought. Maybe something horrible had happened to him and this creature had something to do with it. So that wasn't the end of the sightings. Despite not finding anything besides hoof prints at the site that night, Jeff Hatch and his friends continued to try and track down the creature. So they became obsessed with finding this thing and, and getting some answers. So on one occasion, they went back to the sand pit at night, and they found police officers who were in the area armed with shotguns, and they were sort of canvassing, and the cops told the boys that they'd gotten a report of an unidentified creature, and they were there to investigate it. One of Jeff's friends had a family camp that was across the road from a pig farm called the Old Bean Farm, and... A group of these boys, including Jeff, would often spend the night at this friend's house. After dark, they would sneak through the fence into the old bean farm to search for the pig man. And they never found the creature, but they did find what could be some evidence of it. They discovered a cave with a nest of hay sort of made into bedding surrounded by piles of small animal bones that looked like they could belong to either neighborhood dogs or cats or you know, something else around that size. And at that time, the newspaper had run a story about local pets disappearing. So this was a thing happening in the community. The pig farm was located near a road called Devil's Washbowl Road, which I mean, for this story, it's like the perfect title, right? Yeah. Um, and the area near the pig farm became a popular place for young couples to go park. It's dark, there's a scary story associated with it, like what better way to get your date to sort of cuddle up, you know? And according to the story shared with Jeff um, and the author of the article, a couple one night was parking in this farm, and something terrifying and strange happened. At one point, I mean, as these stories go, the young man left the car to go relieve himself, but all at once, something incredibly strong grabbed him and hurled him up against the car, and the force was so hard it shattered the side view mirror. The boy looked in horror at the creature who had grabbed him and he saw that this was an upright humanoid thing covered in white fur. So he only sees it for a moment and then it's gone. The boy was able to get back into the car, but when he looked down at his arms, he saw that where the creature like, grabbed a hold of him, there were these long scratches in his arms. So he had evidence of, of, of this event occurring. So over the years, there have been more sightings. That wasn't the end of it. Cars driving along rural roads in the area and the devil's washbowl um, or near the old bean farm have reported seeing the creature dart in front of their headlights and run off into the darkness. Teenagers who still go out to like make out near devil's washbowl have sworn that they've glimpsed the pig man emerging from the trees. And this next one has made the rounds online and it was reposted on the phantoms and monsters site. And I'll just read to you from it. And this is a very recent um, occurrence. So this person wrote, My sister and a couple of her friends went out to the Devil's Wash Bowl their senior year. They took sleeping bags and flashlights and all the gear you'd, you'd take to go camping. I wasn't there to give a first-hand account of what transpired. I was only eight at the time. I can only tell you what was told to me. There were six or eight of them, depending on who you ask. All couples. They picked several caves, one for each pair. My sister and her boyfriend were in their cave. She was rolling out their sleeping bags and he was trying to start a fire when they heard some shouts and then screaming from one of the other caves. When they got there, the girl was curled up in a ball in the farthest corner of the cave and her boyfriend was nowhere to be found. She told them that the pig man had come trudging into their cave completely undaunted by their presence. The guy had started shouting at it, both to drive it away and to get the other's attention. And there's uh, an illustration, which we will post to our, our social media and, and our site. The pig casually picked up a large rock and struck the guy in the side of the head with it, knocking him unconscious. It then picked him up, slung him over its shoulder, and shambled out of the cave just moments before the rest arrived. Nobody had seen it exit the cave, nor seen signs of it at all. They did find the rock lying on the cave floor with blood on it and bare footprints in some soft creek mud outside. The girls all drove into town, and they went straight to the police. The remaining boys, whether it was two or three of them, grabbed flashlights and makeshift weapons and scoured the woods around the area. The footprints disappeared at the edge of the road, and they lost the trail there. So then after that, search parties were set up. Police and canine units in a big coordinated effort included several other adjoining township's police forces. A couple days later, some articles of the guy's clothes were found by a search dog. They'd been torn and scattered in an abandoned farmhouse a town over. The missing teen's photo was put up in the area, and one guy came forward. He said the other night he'd awakened to the sound of someone lurking outside his house he checked out his kitchen window, and someone was rummaging through the trash by his garage. Kind of like the farmer in the first story. The person was only wearing a faded and ripped pair of jeans. When the man hit the porch light, the intruder looked up and looked just like the kid in the photo. The only difference was that his body was covered with white hair, and his eyes looked kind of hollow. Okay, so that leads into the descriptions of what this creature could be so um in talking about the pig man some people think that this is a human pig hybrid from a farmer who was you know a little too friendly with one of his pigs or a (laughs) science experiment gone wrong you know it's very 80s very 80s um another is a local legend that dates back to 1951 and according to the story a 17 year old boy named sam harris went out on halloween night Taking a basket of eggs with him to throw at people's houses and just, you know, generally like get into some mischief. But he was never seen again. And depending on who you ask, Sam's fate went one of two ways. He either lost his mind, became feral, and is the pig man, wearing a pig's head, like a decapitated pig's head, over his own and stalking the townspeople, terrorizing them. According to that legend, he sleeps with pigs, like in both senses of the word, uh, and has sired were-pig children to carry out his ghoulish mission. And um, they all set about eating local townspeople um, and their pets. The other explanation is that Sam Harris was the first victim of the pig man and was eaten alive on that Halloween night in 1951. And of course it could be aliens or demons.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: So those those are some of the some of the explanations for the pig man. A um, Vermont.
1: The pig man uh, of Vermont.
0: Right. There there's also there's also like though, um, there are other pig people um, around the world um and, and also in the US and, and there's a pig lady really? kind of close by, which maybe the pig man should meet. The Pig Lady of New Jersey. Um, so, according to the popular uh, Weird New Jersey magazine and different websites, um, I'll just I'll just read you this account. Um, there's a, a kind of a myth built from the Pig Woman of the Hall Mills murder, which had taken place um, that involved a woman who was a pig farmer. Um, so, basically there's speculation that this is kind of like what you're talking about, where an urban legend grew out of this, but people swear they've had sightings of a woman who is uh, um, some half pig, half woman beast that will appear, attack or chase you if you do one and or all of the above just past the railroad tracks on Roycefield road in Hillsborough, New Jersey. So first, um, if you flash your lights, beep your horn, and yell, pig lady. <laughs> if you turn your car off, flash your lights three times, then yell, pig lady, and look in the rearview mirror. And that one creeps me out. Just something about the rearview mirror. Looking hmm. in the mirror in general. Very Bloody Mary.
1: Right. I don't know.
0: Doppelganger. <laughs> if you drive down the roped-off road and beep your horn, it's kind of low effort. Throw a penny over the stone wall into the well and look in the water. If you let someone out of the car, yell pig lady and leave for 10 minutes. Just drive by at midnight and she'll jump out on the road. Uh, If you moon the railroad tracks at night. (laughs) Kind of love that one. Or just get really spooked out and imagine you see her then tell all your friends.
1: These are very low effort. Activities, yeah, yeah. like I mean, not a like whole just,
0: lot. I yeah. mean, there, there's some of them that are a little more involved, but you know, basically, it doesn't seem like it takes much to see the pig lady, right? Um, and so that is the uh, the pig man, pig creature portion of my stories, and I've got another one though,
1: okay. All right, do you, do you want to do that and then we'll talk about them all together, yeah. okay?
0: Sure, okay. So, we've done a few episodes on the mysteries that lie underground, like our Mel's Hole episode, which covered a bottomless pit, or gates to the underworld, strange creatures that live in caves or mine shafts, or even deep inside Mount Shasta. So, this next creature is kind of along the same lines, apparently, according to what some people think, and it's fairly recent. So... At 1237 p.m. on March 27th 1980, Mount St. Helens in Washington state erupted. And this was the most destructive volcanic activity in the United States since 1915. The volcano spewed a mushroom cloud of ash and gases 12 miles into the air. I hadn't realized it was that tremendous. And it devastated 230 square miles of forest and sent 540 tons of ash that drifted as far away as 2,200 square miles and it settled over seven states. And in total, 57 people were killed. So it was very tragic. And this catastrophic event is thought by many to be tied to the sighting of this creature. So first of all, kind of like a foreshadowing, In the months leading up to the disaster, there were apparently reports of these strange flying creatures spotted near Mount St. Helens, and witnesses described them as looking like bats or pterodactyls with red eyes and an enormous wingspan. So, according to the Pacific Sentinel, 14 years later, on an April night in 1994, an 18-year-old man named Brian Canfield was driving home through the backwoods of Pierce County, Washington. So Washington State, um, Seth, I don't know if you've ever been there, but um, I have. And it's a mm-hmm. place of yeah. incredible, breathtaking beauty, but it's also terrifyingly remote in many places. Mountainous, wilderness, it's the the birthplace or, or, or one of them of Satch, Sasquatch myths. Um, There's a lot of mythology that comes out of that area. So the area where Brian was driving was one of those. It was very remote. And as he drove his old pickup truck along a road, he was miles from the nearest town. And all of a sudden his engine just froze. It just stopped in the middle of the road and his truck was frozen in place. And it was kind of mysterious to Brian because he tried to start the engine again and again to no avail. Suddenly, he's stranded in the middle of nowhere, alone on this dark wilderness highway. And he was completely stumped about why this had happened. There was no discernible issue. It's not like, you know, there was something wrong with his radiator or it had run out of gas or anything like that. There was no reason that he could see inside of his vehicle of why it had just suddenly stopped. So he was just about to get out to take a look under the hood when a large, dark object swooped in and across his headlights. And his first thought was, this must be a very large bird of some kind because it was flying, you know, coming from the sky. And he went to open his door to investigate. But at that moment, there was a loud thud on the hood of his truck. And he looked up and there standing and looking in at him through his windshield was a nine foot tall creature, the likes of which he had never seen in his life. So in addition to being incredibly large, it was humanoid in shape and covered with a bluish fur. And its face looked like the face of a bat or a wolf, complete with large fangs and glowing yellow eyes that he said were, quote, shaped like a piece of pie with pupils like a half moon. Hmm. So, as Brian stared on in astonishment, he could see that the wings were, there were wings folded against the sides of its body. And in in an interview with the News Tribune in Tacoma, Brian later said, quote, it was standing there staring at me like it was resting, like it didn't know what to think. I was scared. It raised the hair on me. I didn't feel threatened, I just felt out of place. It's looking right at me like in a deep stare, like right through me. It's standing perfectly still. It stood for how long? A few minutes? Several minutes? I mean, that's a long time to stare at some terrifying creature that is completely alien to you. Then its fingers twitched and its wings began to unfold. Those wings were as wide as the road. It turned its head and looked back at me and started flapping its wings. A few late la- a few minutes later, the truck just started. I took off as fast as I could. So this is super interesting. It kind of reminds me of like different UFO sightings where there's a malfunction with machinery or mm-hmm. yeah, you know yeah. car- automobiles start, right? um but as soon as this thing takes off his truck starts back up so after the story in the news tribune broke other locals in the area came forward with their some of their own sightings of a similar creature and soon they'd given it a name which was bat
1: squatch bat squatch i love it
0: bat squatch i love it too so, uh, a local liquor store owner named Butch Whitaker said, and I kind of love Butch Whitaker's name too. He'd seen a similar creature when he was out flying his personal plane. So he's in a small plane, and his as he was soaring over the same stretch of road Brian had had his encounter, he suddenly squ- spotted this creature flying alongside his plane. So it must have been going incredibly fast, and. It continued alongside him for several minutes before it finally turned and disappeared from view, um, which kind of reminds me of our fame that famous uh, Twilight Zone episode mm. um, that we talked about in our Gremlins episode, uh, Nightmare at Twen- twenty thousand feet, where the guy uh, yeah, William yeah, well, Shatner looks out the yeah, window, yeah. right? So. After that, the Batsquatch reports died down for a little bit for the next few years. But then in 1998, a truck driver who was hauling logs in northern Oregon said he struck a creature that sounded a lot like bat- Batsquatch. However, his description differed from those of the other eyewitnesses. So he, in his account, he said the creature was around 15 feet tall and it had a purple nose and eyes and tiny wings. So, seems like he's like he, he hit something else. Um, and then in 2006, another sighting occurred, but this time it was in Wisconsin. So, a man named Wahali was driving with his son when they both saw a six-foot-tall man bat that had a 10 to 12-foot wingspan. It flew straight at their windshield, and it almost crashed into them, which caused wahali to, like, swerve to avoid it, and they ended up driving off the road. So, later, both the father and son became ill, which, again, brings to mind some UFO encounters. But they did, you know, report the, this incident and made it into the press, and in 2009, the legend was revived when the group of hikers were making their way up Mount Shasta, which we've covered in the past. So this area is right. famous yeah, for its yeah. paranormal activity, UFOs, people who live underground. And on their climb, they saw what they described as a flying humanoid creature that was, quote, stocky as Hulk Hogan. So it sounds kind of muscle bound <laughs> yep. with leathery wings. Maybe it had a blonde mullet, too with leathery wings 50 50 feet from one end to the other and the face of a bat, right? So the description of the wings and the wingspan and the facial description tracks with earlier accounts of this creature. And they also described it as having glowing red eyes, so very Mothman. And then in 2011 in Arizona, a man was out walking his dogs one night when he saw what he later described as a creature with red eyes, bat wings, and blue fur and what gets me in these accounts is the blue fur that is so specific it's so off i mean yeah, red eyes right. okay wings whatever blue right. fur so in 2015 in missouri a woman named sarah reported to mufon that she was driving down a rural w- wilderness road one night when she encountered and quote entity seven to eight feet tall with leathery wings from its shoulders to the ground dark in color with pointed ears on a triangular head, but this one had yellow eyes. So, what could this thing be? Um, and, and in a past episode when we covered contemporary dinosaurs, we talked about parad- pterodactyl sightings, mm-hmm. which you know have been going on for a while. You know, back to the eighteen hundreds. And the triangular head and the huge leathery wings make me think of that. But it also has a blue fur and the word bat that keeps coming up or in Brian's case, bat or wolf. um, That makes me think of those huge fruit bats. You know, if you've ever seen them, the the gigantic ones from South America, they're they're adorable. They've got like this dog like snout. Um, So is this a huge bat or some kind of bat human hybrid? um another thing you know people talk about is aliens you know or something paranormal or in that realm because it's very similar in some ways especially when we're talking about the Mount St. Helens disaster of Mothman right and the ties to that being some kind of an omen of of disasters so that is bat-squatch
1: awesome yeah I mean obviously that sounds very mothman like but um but also different too right right like the, the blue mothman, fur the blue fur, the blue fur probably being the biggest one but but then also just the the face right like the mothman was definitely not snout like right?
0: right, and no fangs right i mean you don't hear about uh, fangs not remember
1: i don't yeah you don't you don't you don't hear that much, but it was definitely more like eyes. Like small mouth, small right. you know, sort yeah, of no thing. Snout.
0: Yeah, no snout. Yeah, I don't know. So, but then what also, do you think? yeah,
1: the sort of tragedy stuff. Um, okay, let's see. What do I think about um,
0: pigman?
1: pig okay,
0: and Basquatch.
1: I mean, pigman blows my mind a little bit in the sense that I'm like. What that that can't possibly be real, but I'm also like, why do these people see this thing? Like, is there like such a thing? Like, I mean, because I guess when I think of like human pig hybrid, I'm like very, like you know, I'm of the like, um, the world that w- w- was this a you know, experiment, right? Gone wrong, I, well, right? and that's one of the right. theories, right? Right, right. But then, like, the I don't know, the this thing's out there like do, doing stuff seems, um. I don't know. Very again, urban legend like, but but like the, the idea that there's like a, a human pig man out there. Like I don't know what what are these things. What what are these things that like are like humanoid like, but then also d- dogs or pigs. I don't know, that one. Right. That one I, I have a hard time just wrapping my head around because someone. Right.
0: Well, I mean, the thing about like I mean we've talked in our past episodes about like like I think skinwalkers and forest Mm -hmm. mimics and things like that or you know sightings of like the rake Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. these pale humanoid things that lurk around in the forest are often described so my question is are people just from this rural area used to seeing pigs are they just kind of putting the pig name on it and then it gets around but are they all kind of seeing something similar which is some pale tall spindly creatures okay, well, out there point. in the woods like stalking right. people.
1: Cuz right, cuz like I mean first of all humans and pigs have very same very similar um like flesh, right? Like that's the whole right. thing, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Cannibals call. And genetics
1: uh human's long pig or whatever yeah and genetics like you can grow yeah like they're they're compatible in terms of so so that, that there is something there is something sort of human like about pigs as they are right like i'm not talking about the shape but just in terms of like their composition but then like yeah that you so so the skin and all that that you would like see an animal with that skin tone to be like wow that that's definitely a pig but any creature really, I mean, we call these, um, you know, like the dog man or whatever, um, but there's people who have drawn, you know, the, all the diff, sort of different Bigfoots, and there is something dog-like about, um, like a baboon snout, for instance. Mm-hmm. Right, so we might call that sort of dog-like, even though it's it's not canine, but it's it's similar, but it's on a primate. So the idea that like someone would mistake a feature or or just sort of transpose a feature or describe it in that way that that you know a creature that had sort of a snout that they would say a pig right like the idea that there's like a pig human thing right? like it's just too much in my brain it's like a Seinfeld episode right but right. but the idea that someone who saw some, something <laughs> something that they was said you know reminded them of a pig or something like I, I don't know but that. It's 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 like um, too good to be true, I, I guess to me. But the the Mothman stuff is just the whether that squatch or if this is some type of Mothman thing. Like I do think it's a real phenomena. I don't know what it means or what they are at all, but I think it is definitely a thing that happens. And whatever these people saw, like whatever these people see ultra terrestrials or some type of like psychic entity or whatever i think it is a real thing I i don't know what it is i don't know if it's like terrestrial in origin or extraterrestrial i don't really know but i think right. i think it is a some type of phenomenon and yeah the fact that it's like so associated with these sort of like larger tragedies i also think you can't ignore it so i don't know what do you think
0: yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of along the same lines as you are. My 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 thinking on the pig man is that yeah, obviously there's urban legend, uh-huh. urban legendary at play. You know, it's yeah. it's you can see where the story was blown out, and it's kind of got that same the same tropes of someone who had some sort of deformity and was cast yeah. out from society, and you know follows that. But you know, multiple people saying they're seeing something. I'm kind of coming down on the side of they're seeing something out mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. that's tall and pale and has fur.
1: Right. Okay. Fair enough. That yeah. is
0: not an animal that y- you would ne- necessarily recognize, and that possibly is is similar to other sightings that we've covered. You know, in the right. woods. I think that right. there, are, there are strange things out there that we haven't found, and they could be, sure, you know, tied in with high strangeness and paranormal and supernatural entities um, you know, or, or alien in nature, you know? I mean, yeah. the, the whole concept of skinwalkers and the forest mimics, I mean, I would lean toward it being something like that, perhaps. And it, you know, even demonic in origin, but you know, I always go there. So
1: uh-huh.
0: let's try not to this time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I you know, I always forget what the Native American word for it is, but th- there is that concept of um, these animals that, or or creatures, or whatever that can be in this world. And not be in this world that that they're like part mm-hmm. spirit, part physical, mm-hmm. um, like the Thunderbird, like or shapeshifters. Right? Well, no, but there is a specific. uh, wish I, I should memorize this word, but it, it's like a specific type of. Um, remember, there was that like one that was like a jaguar or something that would like r- like run along people's cars and stuff, and it was mm-hmm. like it was there and then it wasn't there, like that. There is these like animal spirit type like phenomena or entities or whatever that can like move in and out that are like they're not entirely material and they're not like entirely sort of of this world right so i don't know Mm
0: -hmm. i feel like there's
1: something like that on this planet where it's like they're not um they're not like walking around in the forest all the time, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or maybe there's something about like human activity that sort of draws them out or something like that. But at the same time, they have a materiality to them that can cause, mm-hmm. you know, um, a material effect in the world. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? But like somehow they're not exactly of the same sort of order as, you know, things we would sort of call animals.
0: Yeah, they're kind of interdimensional beings, maybe.
1: Yes, yes, but terrestrial, like not, yeah.
0: yeah. The one thing I'll say about this creature, the the, the couple of sightings that had to do with, uh, you know, someone hearing something rustling through their garbage. So that, to me, says it's something that's eating, looking for food, foraging. Right, oh, that's a good point, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that kind of throws a wrench into some of the more... Spiritual explanations.
1: Yeah, but also like I mean, just the idea of like what's supernatural or 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 spiritual, whatever. It's just when we say supernatural, it's just things we don't really understand the nature of. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Like I think all these things like have a truly natural origin to them. It's just we don't really understand them, or 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 we don't really understand, but they also like fly in the face of what we've. Track so far in physics, but the deeper we mm-hmm. go into physics and in, in quantum physics and stuff, we just know that, like, it's all like you, you get down to that quantum level, and you're like, This is you know, there's you know, almost nothing there <laughs> that's like really mm-hmm. solid, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's all vibrations and energies and all that, and like, there's more distance between particles than there is particles, right? Like, it's mostly emptiness, like, everything is mostly empty and mostly devoid of any like true form. So it's all like a simulation in that way. So like if, if there's things that, you know, it's all psychological in that way, right? Like it's all like a projection in some of some kind. So if that's true, then like there's probably a lot of stuffs about causal physics that we just don't understand yet. And so certainly there could be things that sort of like lie on the fringes of what what's common, right? And and mm-hmm. I, and I wouldn't even say, like, you know, these stories, they're not that uncommon, really. They're actually fairly common, and they kind of always have been, but they're just not really accepted into, like, things that we, you know, accept to be true on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. For the bat-squatch, I kind of feel like the pterodactyl sightings... Pair a little bit too neatly with that. Uh-huh. And that, and and it it seems to be kind of centered around that area of the country as well. So I'm wondering if it's one of the same. Whether the creature has paranormal elements or not, which it sounds like it does.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I also wonder about just like I mean, we we did um, what's the what's the dinosaur in Africa or whatever yeah you, <laughs> what, what is yeah, it? yeah
0: yeah you covered that one
1: like is it possible that there are some of these like i mean there are dinosaurs living but like what we call dinosaurs mm-hmm. is it possible there's these like outliers that have like somehow stuck around and what does that mean and is that possible like i think that's like almost like a whole other subject um so i don't know i, I don't i don't I don't know. It's interesting to think. It's like fun to think. And it seems so improbable, but at the same time, it's like, why is it improbable? Because there are dinosaurs. There's like Mm -hmm. birds and alligators and shit, you know? I don't know.
0: Yeah. And also the alien element as well, you know? Let us not forget that,
1: you know? that was like some of these oh, well be, some be. of these
0: encounters uh occur simultaneously with ufo sightings or they might be related to some form of life that didn't originate on this planet
1: right right yeah mm-hmm. i mean like yeah it's a, it's almost like on the one hand it's almost like too easy to go there but at the same time because it's so um such a strong possibility with a lot of this stuff that like you almost don't want to you almost want to like try to think about it in terms of like this planet and what because I feel like there is actually like much weirder stuff that goes on here than we give this planet credit for in fact all of life is like pretty weird right um if we take a step back but
0: right I think we filter out a lot of the weirdness just sort of yeah. automatically.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like every week these days, I feel like there's another... Like, did you see the whole like CIA thing where they're like, oh, yeah, like... No, what? Oh, yeah, there's like... I don't know, I feel like every other week there's like some other government agencies. Like, oh, yeah, we've definitely had like a, a program for, you know, however many decades studying... Craft and now they're saying that like the CIA may have like nine crafts <laughs> in their possession. Oh
0: my god! Really? Yeah,
1: yeah I didn't yeah. hear that. I mean, it just gets it increases like you know almost week by week or month by month. Yeah, and there's a
0: slow rollout. There a of slow all of rollout. this information. I think that's
1: purposeful, mm-hmm. and like it's at some point, like, it's just going to be. It's like, like
0: the frog and the boiling water, where you're slowly yeah down, yeah like, yeah the temperature pretty soon. you know, just be like, oh yeah yeah aliens. Cool. It's mm-hmm.
1: all leading up to. We get to see an alien. That's where it's all going, I right? Can't wait. I know I can't, wait. I can't wait either. But it's going to be anticlimactic. It's going to be it, for sure. It's going to be like Trump takes, you know, office for the third time. He's like been reanimated. Yeah. If I can. Oh, and there's also aliens, right? Like you're. It's going to be like second, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to like. To something like stupid like that, or like Kardashian season fucking seventy, right? Like it's it's going to be like
0: with a, with a, third yeah. down
1: One from One of them the
0: marries an alien.
1: What's that? Yeah, exactly. One of exactly. them marries an alien. Oh, like Kanye West is actually an and alien. You're like, yeah, I knew it. You know, like it's it's going to be something <laughs> like that where it's it's going to feel way less eventful. And I think that's the whole point of like how they're rolling it out and all that stuff. But
0: right, right, mm. Wow, interesting. Well, <clears throat> I was gonna go for a walk after this, but it's dark out, and so now uh-huh. I'm kind of like freaked out.
1: <laughs> totally, <laughs> I have to say. Cool. Well, I, I don't know. I feel like we did it. What do you think?
0: We, I think we did it. We did it. We did our campfire cryptids.
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: if you guys have any cryptid stories or any stories that you want to share with us, please send it to ShadowlandPodcast at gmail dot com. Follow us on Instagram. You can DM us there if you've got a story and you're just feeling a little bit lazy. Um, and um also wanna say thank you very much to the people who've left us some amazing yes, reviews. Thank you. We yep. really appreciate it. It helps the show grow. It does, yep. And um, yeah. Yeah, we, we love it. We love hearing from you guys. So even if you just want to, you know, shoot us an email or a DM just to, like, let us know that you're enjoying it. We appreciate that, too. Definitely. Oh, also, holidays are coming. We've, yes, we've got Shadowland merch. merch.
1: Get, yeah, stocking stuffers, the whole thing.
0: Right. Stocking stuffers. I mean, like, who wouldn't want a Shadowland shirt, right? I do. It's good for everybody, for the yeah. person who's got who's got everything. Yep. They don't have one of these shirts, guaranteed.
1: That's true. All right. So I guess um, until next time.
0: Okay. Until next time.
1: All right. Take care. All
0: right. Talk to you soon. All right, bye. bye.
1: Shadowland Podcast is produced by Seth Jablon and Christina Callery, edited by Tim Kelly, theme music by Tim Lakin.
0: Thanks, Tim.